You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. I love being on stage, and I, I'll come off a stage, and I'm back to, you know, boring old Louise, and, and my friends will say, we want to go out with her, the one on stage, the one that's so much fun. Singer Louise Mandrell, today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. She began singing professionally in the 1970s, not only as a solo performer, but along with her older sister, Barbara Mandrell, and her younger sibling, Erlene Mandrell. And Louise Mandrell has proven to be an enduring and popular country musician. I met her in the summer of 1993, when she was promoting a series of children's books that she had written, children's books celebrating and explaining some popular holidays. So here now, from 1993, Louise Mandrell. It's it's a holiday series all about the different holidays that we have and it's it's an all American approach to our holidays. How did the idea come to you to do books about specific holidays? Well, I really believe that uh, with the changes from year to year, and this this belief started 10 years ago, that we were getting away from some of the, the, the way things used to be, the way our country was founded, which is... Um, we used to celebrate each holiday in school. You'd learn about the holiday. You'd celebrate the, you'd, you'd get out of school. You'd go home. You celebrate the holiday with your folks. If it was something you didn't believe in, you were able to state, I don't believe in this. Nowadays, it's, uh, you're afraid to say, uh, you know, at, at school, you're afraid to tell what the kids, uh, you know, the kids about what the holidays were about because you're afraid that you're going to get some sort of response from home saying, we don't believe in that, so don't tell my child about that holiday. Or my Easter book, which you would think would be very controversial, that's been, gotten the best response from people because uh, our country was founded. Uh, uh, everyone came here, and it was founded on how they wanted to get away from the the churches and the people telling them how to believe and and it was okay to be different it was okay to be a christian and it's okay to have a nativity scene you know what i mean and now if you're if you're jewish or if you're a christian or whatever you're almost afraid to tell it and that's terrible what we used to have in common is that we were all different and they're trying to make us all alike now and i don't want to be like everybody else i i am different i'm a middle child <laughs> Well, it must also sadden you, as it does me, that, that so many holidays are only occasions for white sales and that nobody knows what the holiday is anymore. It's just well, a day you get off school and you have a sale. Well, I think a lot of that is because a lot of the parents really believe the kids understand what the holidays are about. They think they're learning it at school, but the schools stay away from that. So these are books that, that teach our children the true meaning of the holidays but in a way they've never heard it. And in most of the books, the kids are the heroes. And the kids, it inspires children then to, to, uh, to be all they can be and to understand that they make a difference. And I, I found out a long time ago that children are a lot smarter than most people give them credit for. Uh, some of my fondest memories was as a Girl Scout troop leader. And I, I love kids. And I, it means a lot to me to see these books finally, uh, on the shelves and, and folks able to go in and, and I, th one thing I have found that's been so precious to me is that, that 
that not only do I have little kids buying the book and coming up, but seeing so many grandparents and, and folks that really understand what it is to enjoy and celebrate and remember how our country was founded and what the holidays really are about. And, they, and they're giving these gifts to, to their grandchildren on holidays to say, hey, I remembered you. It's Easter, and I remembered you. And at the same time, they're teaching them a lesson. How did you decide to go beyond the biggies, you know, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, and so forth, to include Martin Luther King Day and so on? Well, it it was really hard because there were a lot more holidays that, you know, that there were a lot more that I wanted to do. I just really tried to pick holidays that I think confuse the kids, that they really don't understand what they truly are about. Um, Martin Luther King Day is is not a black statement. It is a it is a statement of equal rights and opportunity for all. That's a very powerful thing for adults too. Yes, it is. But I, I think it really go I think that so many times uh we get confused, we decide what something is, uh we don't take time and I, I do know that a lot of us, even as adults, go, ooh, day off. I like this holiday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you ask a child, what's Easter about? Well, it's hunting eggs. It, you know, what's Christmas about? It's Santa Claus. Even if you don't believe, even if it's, if, if a holiday is based on a Christian belief, it's so educational and, and so rewarding to know that our kids understand uh, some of the history of our country. And one of the things that, that the Easter book includes, because it, it really isn't about our Christian story, it really is the, as I said, the story about each of us being allowed to have our different beliefs, but it also explained, uh, why we hunt for Easter eggs, which, which is because the egg represents new life. And that's what this country represented, a new start for everyone. Uh, what age range did you have in mind? For the kids. Well, my little girl's an A student, <laughs> Nicole, and she reads all the books, obviously, but she reads them to uh, her cousins, her little cousins who are five and six. It, they are definitely books that the, their children are learning facts and, and history in, but they're also entertaining books. You, though I gather, are not turning into a full-time children's book author. No, I, I do already have another project started that has nothing to do with these projects because I my love for children. But I love writing also. I, a lot of my friends through the years have watched me write production shows and things for stage, and that was a lot of fun. But this is a, a, a new concept because instead of writing out, you know, all the jokes and all the concept of what the show is about and writing out which song, where, and and, you know, what point you want to get across and making it flow. These are things that are fun with the show and then the set designing, etc. But when you're writing a book, all of a sudden you write the set design and and how someone feels and the reflection in their voice almost. It's, it's, a, it's a different concept and it's a new challenge for me. It is kind of a burden to have everything resting on your shoulders. No, no. First of all, I have this wonderful, uh, I'm part of just half of a wonderful writing team. Ace Collins is one of my uh, best friends, and we have been writing together for the last 10 years. He wants to get into production shows, so I'm able to help him. And I love books, and he's able to help me. He's truly the best writer I've ever been around. Was it difficult to find a publisher? I mean, there's thousands of children's books out there. That's true. And um, no, actually, it... it it wasn't in this particular case, I think, because there really was nothing out there to compete with with us. And the only thing that was difficult is when uh, 10 years ago, when I went to Ace Collins and said, here's an idea I have. All of a sudden, it's like 
my little girl comes along and I adopted her and, and all of a sudden I'm a mommy and I don't feel this need to share with everybody. <laughs> I have my own now, you know, my own toy. And now that she's in school and she's raising me, I have a little bit more time. <laughs> Yeah, your t- your attention tends to be really focused there for a few years, and and then and then you can and then just when you think you understand them, then you <laughs> yes <laughs> then, then. help. Well, my little girl's been a big help in my personal life. She picked out uh, uh, the young man that I'm seeing now, John Haywood, entertainment director at Opryland. He uh, he was my boss, and I kept telling Nicole, you know, I really think he's cute and I think he's nice, and but he hasn't asked me out. And she said, ask him out. He likes kids. So I did. And then just after um, Valentine's Day, she uh, she said, if he asks you to marry him, say yes. But I, I think the reason that she likes him so much is not just because he's – He's uh, willing to go fishing and hunting for salamanders and everything else in the lake. But she also sold me out for a horse. She she told him, <laughs> if you want to marry my mom, you have to buy me a horse. So it's needless to say, a she has a horse. Yeah. <laughs> After this short break, Louise Mandrell on being the middle child in a sister act. Back to my 1993 conversation with Louise Mandrell. Why is it, do you suppose? I, I've, I've got two daughters, ages 12 and 10, and the older one is in junior high school and where everything has to be cool, has to be just right. Why is it that in a school full of rappers that Reba McIntyre's cool, Billy Ray Cyrus is cool, Garth Brooks is cool, Louise Mandrell is cool? <laughs> well, I think that... Um Nowadays, and I, and I love it because it used to, um, when I was in junior high, you know, first of all, you had three TV channels to watch, you know, and you had very little choice in things. And I, I think radio was one area the kids had a choice and this is ours. But now with, with all the different channels, they're getting educated to a lot of choices. Nothing's, they, they, nothing's pushed on them anymore because all they have to do is change the channel. And the music they like, even country music, as shocking as that is to the world that they like it, <laughs> is something that they chose. It wasn't something pushed on them. So they, you know, they, they're, they're allowed to like several things. And I think that part of it is great. I'm just I, – it, it, it amazes me that you can be interested in both rap and Reba. It just uh, – <laughs> I don't know. It just There's something incongruous about that. Well, I, I think that variety – they you know, the old saying, variety is spice of life. I really think variety is important. One of the reasons that our, I think our kids learn so fast now is they have learned so many new ways to teach children that they don't have time to get bored. Just about the time uh, they're starting to get bored with one thing, they're on to another subject and a new method uh, of teaching. I think it's wonderful. My daughter loves to read, so I believe that's why she's an A student. But she sits with her computer several hours a day, you know, and it's like, I, I'll go in and say, how do you do this? Or she'll be in on somebody else's new computer. And, and she's, you know, I would be, I know a week sitting with the instructions, but she just knows. They're just amazing. They, uh, technology isn't threatening to them. It's just a toy and fun. Yeah, it's fun to watch them in front of that. What keeps you busy professionally these days? Oh, goodness. I'm, I'm touring this summer and, um, 
over 100 days a year, I work at the Grand Palace in Branson, Missouri. And so while I tour this summer, my sisters are there, Barbara and Arlene at the Grand Palace. If anyone's listening, go by and say hello to them. And uh, through the year, I, I really enjoy, and I'm we're already working on it, I do an entire Christmas season in Branson, Missouri. And that's when I work there. And so I'm already... We're, Writing the show and doing the numbers and into rehearsals for that. That's got to be a gorgeous place, just just physically beautiful in the wintertime. Well, it is, and they go full out for the Christmas holidays. All the theaters do Christmas shows. If you if you you cannot go there and not get in the Christmas spirit, and so we have a lot of fun. Wow, what is what is it about Branson? I, my dad and I used to we the, the, the whole family would go on vacation to that area years ago before anybody had ever heard of it for anything other than the bait shops that were there. <laughs> what, what's suddenly so big about Branson? Well, if if you remember, because you were there back then, at night people go, what is there to do? So the local people started doing <laughs> shows. And all of a sudden, you know, the shows were catching on. And more people that didn't even fish and, and weren't into sports would come to town. And while, you know, the husband's fishing, then at night we'll go out and we'll see a show. And all of a sudden now, I think people don't even realize there's fishing and so many things to do there. There's just theater after theater, you know, of shows, and, and that's why people are there. Wow. It's, it's, I, it's, I'm going to have to try to get back there sometime. You would not recognize it. It's unbelievable. Our theater, uh, the Grand Palace, where I'm, the, I'm one of the hosts of the palace, seats over 4,000. So that's just one of, of uh, un, theater after theater. I mean, there's so many wonderful choices of music. I didn't think there were 4,000 people in Branson. (laughs) Not living there, maybe, (laughs) but visiting there daily. Do you ever look forward to the time – do you – I don't know. How do I want to describe this? Do you look forward to the time when you'll – end your your, – the the touring and and it will come to a stop and you'll say – you'll look back and say, yes – I had a good time, but now it's time to just settle down in one place and be a normal person again for a while. No, no. I'm a middle child. I don't want to be normal. (laughs) (laughs) I love what I do. I think this. uh, one of the things that that my friends give me grief about is I love being on stage. And I'll come off a stage and I'm back to, you know, boring old Louise. and, And my friends will say, we want to go out with her, the one on stage, the one that's so much fun. I walk on stage and I feel more at home than anywhere else. I love people, and I've got everybody's attention. In my household, with as, as chatty as all of us girls were, I mean, you had to work to get the floor, you know? But I have my own spotlight, my own microphone, and it's great. I love it. You know, I, uh, the other day, Maxine Andrews from the Andrews Sisters was here. And what a marvelous story that they've got, too. Uh, it's, just, it's just like your own sister's story. I mean, you, you ought to read her book about the USO years. It's, oh, it's a I... fascinating account and how close sisters can become when they are part of an act that is helping, in her case, entertain the GIs who may or may not come back from That's a war. True. Well, I uh, I got a, a lot of teasing from my friends when I was a little, how can you go to work for your sister? And I used to, and I just tell the truth, well, Barbara was always so bossy <laughs> <laughs> that now I was getting paid for doing what I was told. It was a, it was a new concept. I liked it. No problem. I just, uh, I cherish the memories of, of working full time with my sisters. That was so much fun. And doing our television series, that was not only fun and financially rewarding, but I, it was like,
like going to college, like going to school with your sisters because I didn't know how to dance. I didn't know how to talk to an audience. I didn't know how to, what to do out front. And I started learning at such a rapid pace. It was such a great school. And I, and to share that with my sisters, my biggest fear when our TV show was over that I, is that I would quit learning at the rate I was learning. So I owe a lot to my sisters and, and, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the good old days were, back when I don't do that because I, I that was great I loved it but today's pretty good too these as far as I'm concerned today you know these are the good old days and tomorrow I'll be saying the same thing was there anything else you wanted to add or any question you wanted me to ask you that I didn't no the last man that asked me a question is marrying me now <laughs> <laughs> I think we better play this one safe <laughs> Louise Mandrell will be 68 in July, and she is still performing. And you can find easy Amazon links to her children's books at our website, HeardEverything.com. And while you're at HeardEverything.com, be sure to listen to my interviews with two country music giants, the great Dolly Parton. I've been at it a long time, and I've left myself wide open for anything that people want to say about me. It's not like that I haven't flaunted most of the stuff they talk about, and it's not like I don't say most of the stuff they say. And my 1993 conversation with Reba McIntyre. No matter what kind of melody it has, if the words don't say anything, it doesn't connect with me. And good Lord, wouldn't that be terrible if it was a number one hit and you have to sing it forever and ever and you don't even like the song? <laughs> and of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the man who had a tumultuous, to say the least, 500 days as the CEO of Apple in the mid-1990s. My 1997 interview with former CEO Gil Emilio. It was like a startup company where you can live without the strategy, but, but Apple kept acting that way even after it was a $10 billion company. And frankly, it just doesn't work, obviously. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.